I'm glad you guys came back after, you know, the topic has been brought up, death, dying, heaven, and hell. It's not really necessarily, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about death, dying, heaven, and hell. I mean, I put heaven at the end because I didn't want to put hell at the end. Then it'd be like, oh, boy, nice class to leave discouraged. But uh, uh, thanks for coming back and, and kind of looking at this topic. It's a big topic. The reason why it's a big topic is because we're all going to go through it and we're all going to go somewhere. Um, but with it being a big topic, and I'm just kind of, you know, preparing you, is that it is a topic um, that is over our head. And when I'm being over our head, it's, um, you're going into a different world. Is this on? Can everybody hear me all right? It's a... Uh, oh, Nick's not up here yet. All right. Voice carries. We'll, we'll keep shouting. Um, so it's a, it's a, um, um, where was I? What was I talking about? (laughs) It's a topic that's, uh, beyond our mind, um, beyond our understanding, um, but there is, um, pieces of scripture that you can move into. And now when we move into these pieces of scripture, that doesn't necessarily mean this is the way it is. It means, huh, and what it does is it gets you to start thinking, um, in those things. So we're talking about, you know, five minutes after you die. Um, there's not, um, well, I'm not going to go that aggressive to say it, but there's not um, a verse that says minute one, minute two, minute three, minute four, minute five. What there is, is I will say that there is a passage in there that explains uh, pretty much what's going to take place um, during the process of death. Um, but as that passage is given, is there a lot of information? I would say that there is not a lot of information. So I'll just explain how I, um, um, how I do this study. Is, um, I've hung on to that one passage, and as I've hung on to that, that one passage, uh, what I've done is i said, is there consistency, consistencies within the Word of God that hang on to that passage to try to figure out what has taken place the minute after you die, five minutes after you die, what is going to happen, what is going on. So with all that being said, is nobody in this room has to agree with me at all, um, sometimes I go like, do I even agree with myself? All we're doing is we are going to feed off of Scripture because, like I said before, that when I study, I really don't like to just give information. Here, let me give you this point of information, this point of information, this point of information. What I want to do is I want to feel it. <laughs> so when we're looking at this topics, I want to feel it when I die. I want to feel what it feels like in hell. I want to feel what it feels like um, in heaven. And so when we're looking at that study, that's what I'm moving towards. Um, so is it going to be what it feels like? I don't know, but uh, I'm still gonna, we're still going to explore Scripture and uh, look at it and see what's, uh, uh, see what's going on. So um, don't take my word for it as the word. As we read the Bible verses, come to your own conclusion. Um, but also as we come to our own conclusion, there's room for mystery. <laughs> and there's always room for mystery because we do not know every specific single thing um, in, regards to, um, um, in regards to that process. So before we get into the process, uh, we just have to bring a little bit of humor. When we talk about um, death, um, many people think different things. Um, there was an interviewer that talked to many children and says, all right, what do you guys think about when you die? I mean, we have something we think about. Uh, but they're asking these children, what do you think about when you die? A seven-year-old responded, God doesn't tell you when you're going to die because he wants it to be a surprise, so he's going to hold it from you. 
An eight-year-old boy said, the hospital is a place where people go on their way to heaven. <laughs> go to the hospital first, and then they go to heaven. Uh, a ten-year-old said, a good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I like that. A bad doctor. Okay. Nine-year-old girl said, doctors help you so you won't die until you pay all the bills. <laughs> That's what they said. Nine-year-old girl said, when you die, you don't have to do your homework in heaven, unless your teacher's there, too. <laughs> a 10-year-old boy says, I'm not afraid to die, because I'm a Boy Scout. 8-year-old boy says, when birds are ready to die, they just fly to heaven. So whenever we hear the word die, a lot of things uh, come into our mind. It's just interesting to hear what comes to children's uh, comes to children's mind, and that's just a couple um, different thoughts. But just a, a really fast review before we go into it, because I definitely want to prepare um, us for the subject. And number one, at death, God promises to take care of His people. That's just what's going to happen. What we talked about last week is that if you are a child of God and say, "God, I cannot get to heaven." by my own merit. I cannot get to heaven by my own work. What you have done is you've done it all. You came to earth as a man. You died on the cross. You rose again, and you paid the price that I needed to pay to get into heaven. Therefore, all I do is believe on you. I hang on to you, and I ask that you save me. What that does is that gives us salvation, and when we receive salvation, you will not be alone when you die. Um, God will never, ever leave you. Romans 8, 38 through 39 for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Revelations 14, 13, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Blessed in death, should never be in the same sentence, unless of course you know God. Because when you know God, what's going to take place there will be a blessing that will happen. Charles Spurgeon says, We wept when we were born, though all around us smiled. So while all smile when we die, while all around, so, shall we, so shall we smile when we die, when all around us weep. So that's kind of an interesting, interesting statement. Ecclesiastes 7.1, The day of death is better than the day of one's birthday. So, we're going to say, what does this birthday look like uh, for a believer? That's going to be the focus, uh, more so than the unbeliever, but you're going to get, you're going to get some taste um, of, of being an unbeliever as well. So let's just travel towards this. Number two, David makes a description of death that I believe is consistent with Scripture. Um, scholars believe that it's um, consistent with Scripture, and it's found in Psalms chapter 23. Psalms 23, 1 through 6 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow you the rest of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
So we're going to hang on to this verse, and when we hang on to this verse, um, we're going to bring the consistencies in Scripture up as we walk through this. Uh, Number three, death has been described as a valley. It's interesting that it has not been described as a violent sea. Why has it not been described as a violent sea? Violent seas are open. Violent seas are rough. Violent seas, there's not necessarily control um, in a sense that the horizons are long, but you're also riding the waves. Um, but a valley is, is what? You've got walls next to you, and you have what, a path that has taken place. He also does not describe death as a lifeless desert. When you die, there's not going to be any life. But don't worry, I'm coming to pick you up. It's not described that. He used the word valley. Psalms 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's interesting that in this valley, he uses a verb that we are walking um, in this valley. Uh, Where are you going when you're walking in a valley? I went hiking on Tigrets Bar um, years ago when I was in high school. And uh, I will tell you that it was the most up and it was the most down I've ever seen in my entire life. My legs got so tired of going down, and we finally got to the bottom of the valley. And we got to the bottom of the valley. I said, finally, I'm done. And the person I was with said, "Uh, look at the map. We got to go up, and we got to go over one more more time. But um, what takes place is in a valley, you're just like, ah, I can rest. I have a focus. I have finally have flat ground. I finally have ground that is straight. It's not uphill. It's not downhill. It's what? It's a valley with one side or the other. So if you're going to use the verb walk, you're not going to walk uphill. (laughs) You're going to do what? You're going to walk to a point. Would that be correct? You've got walls that are coming here. You die. You're going to be walking to a point. Movement to a point. Just what I see through this scripture. You will know the direction. In a valley, is there confusion of, would I take a right? Um, do I take a left? Uh, where do I go? No, there's no, there's no confusion. A valley, you're walking a direction, and it is at the heart and bottom of the valley as you walk in this direction. Uh, there's one focus that will be in mind, and there is, um, um, there is anything in the valley that's going uh, to be close. So everything in the valley is going to be close. In other words, we're going to have stuff up here. So if you're in the valley, things are going to be close because you have the walls on both sides. To me, it's just interesting that, you know, when David talks about death, that the word valley is used and the word movement is used. So let's just continue to explore it. Number four, God's rod and staff comfort believers in the valley. So if we look at a a rod for a shepherd, um, what is it used for? Uh, the, the end of the staff, the end of the rod, was something they could grab a hold of sheep and uh, walk with. It was also something that they protected the sheep with. So if anything came after um, the sheep, what would the rod do? The rod would make sure we get a pull close and make sure that we get a protect. Um, so if we ask the question, why is there a rod and why do we need to be protected? Is there something there that we need to be protected of? Is that something death itself, or is it something else? I mean, you've got me a little concerned, I hate to say it. (laughs) The reason why you got me a little concerned is because we're in a valley, and inside the valley, I can't go right, I can't go left, and if there has to be a rod that has to protect me, a rod that has to comfort me, 
I'm just asking the question, is there something in the valley that I really don't want to see? Is there something in the valley that I really don't want to see? Um, I'm just going to say number A, in the valley evil is present, evil pursues me, and evil wants me. Um, I don't think there would be a shepherd or a staff if there was not something there. Um, I don't think that we, um, my, my, my interpretation of Scripture, my feel in Scripture, is that when we go through death, there is going to be something present that is not going to be good. And there's going to be something present that is going to be really good. What is that? It's going to be the rod. It's going to be the staff. It's going to be, I am glad somebody is with me. <laughs> I am glad somebody is connected with me. I am glad that I am being held on to. When we talk about salvation, um, God, I, I find salvation. I'm saved. We get this feeling that I am glad I'm now a part of God's family. But I think at death, there is going to be a glory that's going to come out of your mouth and out of your emotions that, God, I am thank you. I am not alone in this valley. If you also study valley, uh, you will see that what's at the bottom of the valley is often rivers, and, and as rivers are there, the growth is there. And uh, if you go look through the history, um, and even the history now, is that in the valley a lot of wild animals come down there. So being the description of a valley, to me, it is telling me there is something there besides God. There is something there besides God, and in that process, God being there is going to give me what? A complete no fear. <laughs> in other words, when he shows up, there's going to be a zero amount of fear. Rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There will be no fear through this process, but I believe that there will be something there. That's just me. You don't have to believe it, but we're going to continue to walk through this. Psalms 49, 14 like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and the death will feed on them. Death will feed on them. It's kind of a crazy scripture. What's he talking about? Is he talking about us just dying, or is he talking about on the other side of death? And will we see that other side? It looks pretty rough verse to me. Psalms 116.3 says, The cords of death entangle me, the anguish of the grave. Does a grave bring anguish? We often talk about you know, it's a grave, it's just rest and sleep, there's nothing that's taking place, but the anguish of the grave came upon me, I was overcome by trouble um, and sorrow, when he's looking at the process um, of, of dying, know that there's something that's going to take place afterwards. Psalms 18.5, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me, would there be snares um, that we should be concerned about on the other side? Or is it saying that there is snares on the other side that we don't have to be concerned about if we have God? Proverbs 13, 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, the turning of man from the snares of death. Um, I do think that there will be something in there because all these verses are talking about almost something that's on the other side that, um, that is not there. Or that is not, that is not necessarily, that is not necessarily um, something we really want to um, embrace or go after. Uh, letter B, death is also referred to as gates. We do, not see, um, we do not see that in the 23rd Psalms, that there is gates. But I explored, every time there's death, 
what is the words that put there on, on gate, or what is the words that are put there alongside death? And gate um, is a very consistent word. Let's just look at Job 38. Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Psalms 90, 13. O Lord, see how many enemies persecute me. How, how, have mercy on lift me up from the gates of death. And then Psalms 107, 18. They loathed all the food and they drew near the gates of death. Job 38, 17. Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Seems like every time death is mentioned, a lot of gates, a lot of shadow that it is talking about. Isaiah 38, 10. I said, in the prime of my life, I must go through, what? The gates of death and be robbed for the rest of my years. Hebrews 9, 27. Just as man is destined to die once and after that will face judgment. So since death and gates come together, uh, what is a gate and what is it used for? I mean, this is just how my mind works. What is a gate and what is it used for? Um, I have cows, so I know the answer. <laughs> just kidding. Um, a gate is used to keep people in. Um, a gate is used to keep people in, keep cows in, keep people in. Um, if you didn't have a gate, um, it's not like, because people say, well, no, a gate is to let you in. Well, you don't need a gate to let people in, because if there is no gate, people can automatically come in. But a gate is almost used to keep people in. So in my mind, this is just my mind, um, and you, remember, you don't have to agree with me. I can see us walking into a valley and a gate closing behind us. And in that gate closing behind us, we are faced with what? Maybe some crazy things alongside, and we're faced with a God who has a rod and a staff that would give us complete comfort as we go through this corridor of, of, corridor, um, of death. Um, that's just what I'm trying to imagine. Okay, so when we talk about death, a lot of questions come up of people dying, exploring heaven, and coming back. People dying are above the body, can observe the doctors working, can observe the doctors moving, and there's almost like the sensation that they are not there with the body. Um, this is just my um, explanation of it, and you know, I don't, you know, I don't know, I'm exploring it with you, but um, I believe that if somebody dies and somebody goes above the body and they can see there, um, but I also believe that when it is done, you will go through a gate into the valley, and then you will travel through that valley, and as soon as you go through that valley, you're not coming back. Um, that's, just, that's just in my mind. I'm saying that there is probably, I'm guessing, there's probably this something that could take place as soon as death takes place, but to explore the entire heaven and to walk around heaven and come back, it's like, that's, um, I believe that that is what's between death is that valley. So when we do die, what happens is, I mean, could happen, I, you know, I'm guessing, and I, uh, Ken talked about, you know, um, dying um, um, last week, that it's like, this is, this is it. What happens is when you pull back, you could be seeing some things. You could be going, oh, this is crazy. This is, I'm guessing, this is moving because of, of, of the explanation here. And then, all of a sudden, we're going to start moving towards a different direction. And we start moving towards a different direction. I believe that that would be the direction of the valley. And as soon as you start going through the valley, that is when death stops. In other words, the gate, um, the gate is closed. Hebrews 9, 27 just as man is destined to die one time, he will die 
He can die and he can come back, but he has not traveled the valley to explore heaven. I, that's just, that's just, that's my mind. All right, so looking at C, there is protection for the believer um, who is in the valley. What uh, um, kind of protection? Um, about 15 years ago, um, I wanted to raft the Illinois River, and the Illinois River was, um, was uh, a radical river, and uh, it was a river that I was beyond my capabilities, and uh, I showed up with people that I really didn't know to raft it. Um, I just kind of heard of somebody, called them up, says, I'm going with you, and when I showed up, they kind of laughed at me and said, you know, <laughs> uh, what kind of skill do you have? And, uh, you know, they started asking me all these questions. I, I think I'll be all right. I think I'll be all right. And they just kind of looked at me and said, yeah, this guy's going to be a joke. You're going to be our laughing stock for our trip. Uh, but sure enough, I, uh, um, I survived the Illinois River. And in the process of surviving the Illinois River, the person that I was with looked at me and said, you did well. You want to go on the cow salmon? <laughs> cow salmon is another step above the Illinois River that you really got to really watch out, really be careful. Lots of class five water. And uh, so me being young and stupid, sure, why not? We'll go on the cow salmon river. So we scheduled our time, and, and sure enough, me and, and this individual went to the cow salmon river, and the road goes alongside the cow salmon river, but the cow salmon, California salmon is what it is. The California salmon is in the, kind of at the bottom of the valley, so the road's kind of at the top. And uh, so when we were driving on the road, we pulled out and said, all right, this is where it's all at. And we stood on top of this um, hill and looked way down at the valley. And he says, this is where, the, this is where everybody messes up. This is where it gets really, really hairy. Uh, that rapid right there is a class five. It's called last chance. That rapid right there is called the freight train. And the reason why is because if you hit that rapid, it's like hitting a freight train. It's not good, not good stuff. And so we were looking down there, go, oh, well, that doesn't look too bad. And then uh, we noticed some boats. Oh, here come some boats. Ten boats were coming. It says, oh, let's watch them go through this, uh, go through this rapid, see how they do. They go through the last chance, and then the first one hit the freight train, and he flipped. Second one flipped. Third one flipped. We watched ten boats go through, and six out of ten flipped. And I look at it and go, oh, my goodness. I looked at him and I says, you know, I need to make a confession. This is over my head. And he looked at me and he says, don't worry about it. It's over my head too. Let's go. <laughs> so sure, sure enough, we went there with a, a lot of fear that's like, okay, we got to hang on to this. This is not good. This is not scary. And we went to support each other. We were a little support for each other. Once we got into those rivers, we were little support. We were on our own. I remember going through the freight train. And I see him, he, he was going first, and all of a sudden his boat disappeared. I'm like, oh no, that's not good. <laughs> and, and I was going behind, I said, what's going to happen? I came to the top, and I looked down, and where everybody was flipping is a crooked wave. And if you have a crooked wave, you have to turn the boat crooked. And because the boat's not crooked, it's not going to straighten out to go through. I look at that crooked wave, and I'm like, ah! I, I even yelled, I remember that. And, and I put the crooked wave, and I, I survived. So just to let you know, I didn't flip. Um... When you look at a valley where there are some crazy things that has taken place, you don't want somebody alongside of you. You want somebody to hold on to you. You want somebody that has gone through it before. You want somebody that understands the entire situation. And you want somebody that holds you to the point that if things start to fall apart, he's like, oh, don't worry, we're just having fun there would be complete peace 
in the valley if God has a hold of you. And I believe that, I don't know how long this valley is, that through the seconds of going through the valley of shadow death, minutes, whatever it is, you will glorify God, Christ, more than you almost ever have in your entire life of thank you that I am not alone. And the first thing I think that when we die, the first thing that he hits our minds is am I going to be alone? Am I going to be alone? And I don't know what is pursuing. I don't know what's ugly on the side. It says evil, whatever that looks like. I don't know if it's spiritual battle or those things. I have no idea what it looks like. We don't know what it looks like. But I believe that something is going to be there to the point to say, am I alone or am I held? And you are going to want to be held. You're going to want that staff. And here's the good news of the Scripture. Psalms 49 but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. He will receive me. And the second that he receives me, what's going to take place? Is there going to be fear as I was going through the river? There still was fear, but that receiving is going to be so strong that you're going to see some things and say, God, thank you for your grip. Proverbs 14:32, the righteous has a complete refuge when he dies. Why is it saying that there's a refuge when you die? In my interpretations of that valley, you might be looking, is there a refuge here? Well, I think that we are definitely going to see it. Proverbs 18, 24, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Don't worry, I have a hold of you. Keep going. All right, number five, there is a shadow in the valley. Those are just exploring these words um, um, of what's taking place. Um, if there is a shadow in the valley, what does that mean? That means there is a light. <laughs> there has to be. Um, there has to be um, a light. You are walking. You're in a valley. Everything's there. There's shadows. You're moving. And there is what takes place? Um, possibly a light. I'm guessing. Job thirty-eight seventeen. Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? So in other words, we have another shadow that comes up. Why is we, Every time death comes up, we have this shadow that takes place. Luke 1, 78 through 79. Um, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and inside the shadow of death. Again, the shadow of death um, is, is often mentioned. So, what is the light? And people think, oh, I think there's a light when you die. Well, I'll tell you what, th- this is what I'm envisioning. This is what I'm picturing. You guys could you disagree with me all you want because we're just, we're just exploring Scripture um, and we're just trying to get into unknown territory and we're just almost toying with it and playing with it a little bit is that when you die, you're going to see, oh, this is not good. You're going to be walking. You're going to be walking through a, an area that is a valley, shadow, and then there's going to be a shadow knowing that you're going towards something. What are you going towards? And what is that light that you look for? So with this in mind, we want to, we want to try to understand what are we going towards. Number six, after passing through the corridor, you will see the glory of God and Christ standing at his right hand. Now, exploring the process of death, there is a couple people that have died um, and have come back. Um, uh, Paul is one of them, and I'll make mention to Paul. But another person is Stephen. 
uh, what happened is that Stephen was being stoned, and, and Paul was actually kind of given the permission to stone him. Stephen was being stoned, and as he was being stoned, it is made mention that he saw something. What did Stephen see before he died? Let's look at the passage, Acts seven fifty five. But being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed intently into what? Heaven. I went all the way through and I went into heaven. And I saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now he mentioned that twice. Jesus was doing what? Standing at the right hand of God. Do you know that it's the only time ever mentioned in Scripture that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God? Six times in Scripture it says Jesus is what? Sitting at the right hand of God. But twice in this one verse is mentioned, the only time ever in Scripture, that Jesus has made movement. Because where is he at? He's sitting at the right hand of God. That Jesus has made movement to do what? To receive his own. He has made movement to receive his own. And as we see the response that I gazed intently into heaven, and what did I see? He was shocked by the sight that Jesus has made movement towards me and has what? Embraced him, meaning that death was complete in Christ, rose again, sat, everything was done, but it's not done yet until a person, a believer, walks in and God gets up and says, I got one more work to do. I got to pick up my son. I got to pick up my daughter. Just interesting looking at that, looking at that verse. Number seven, after death we will exist, thinking, feeling, exercising memory, will, understanding, but without bodies. We're going to talk about this um, um, through um, the intermediate state, um, but you will know everything when you die. When you leave behind your body, you will know, I believe, you will smell you will hear, even without an ear. You will taste, even without a tongue. Uh, you will um, see, with even out eyes. I believe that we will still be completely present, just not without a body. Second Corinthians talking about this. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are pre- absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. I can be absent from the body and be home for the Lord. What's going on when I'm home with the Lord? I still have everything that the body had, except I won't have the body. So I believe that we will be completely alert, completely understanding, and I, again, will go back. I think it will be a great time of praise and thanksgiving after that we are received. Home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have our ambitions, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. And number eight, we will know Christ fully, even as we are fully known. When Jesus stands up um, and embraces us, we will know more about Christ than we've even ever known in Scripture. I think we're going to be completely understanding. All things are going to be completely gone. All mysteries, um, um, everything is going to be um, um, opened up. Our minds are going to be completely opened up as we receive Him. Uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see a mere dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I am fully known. And then what's going to take place after this, this whole process 
Again, I have no idea how this process would work, and I have no idea how much, how much time it will work. I just think that these are the things that are in the process, but what takes place after the process, what takes place after five minutes, um, it can't be explained in words. First five minutes, I think we're going to get there, and I think we're going to fall at the feet of Jesus, and he is going to embrace us, and we're going to see something that is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And then after that, first five minutes of that process, we can't really explain it in words. Second Corinthians 12, 2, Paul died. He died, and he went through heaven. He explored the whole, the whole thing, saw Christ, saw the throne, saw his glory, and he came back. He's the one that we know for a fact that he has seen everything that is on the other side. And here's his response. I know a man in Christ, he's talking about himself, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven is exactly where God is at. We'll definitely be talking about the third heaven when we get to heaven, or when we get to the topic of heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard, what did he hear? Inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to even say. Which is man, I can't even say it because even if I said it, it wouldn't even make much sense. But even if I said it, it would give so much glory to me and in my weakness is where Christ is glorified. So there's something that's going to happen in heaven, and we're going to talk about this when we get to heaven, is that there is something there that we cannot even imagine. Uh, before we get there, we will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. I think it will be moments. I don't think it will be five minutes. I think it will be moments, but I believe that we will see Christ. I believe that we will see evil, whatever that looks like. I believe that we will be held I believe that we'll be walking with God, Christ, according to that, the rod and the staff come for me, and I believe that we will see Jesus standing up at the right hand, and that is going to be the peak of death that you're going to go look at and say, this is absolutely amazing when you see him stand and embrace you. And then I believe that after that, who knows what's going to take place because it's going to get good. D.L. Moody said before... Um, before he died, he said, Soon you will read in the papers that Moody is dead. Don't believe it, for in that moment you read it. I will be more alive than I've ever been. So then the topic would be, do I know Christ or do I not know Christ? I believe that these passages of Scripture has given us enough taste of death to think, I don't want to be, what, alone in that process. I want to be what? Held by the one who has conquered it. So number 10, just a challenge. Fear death if you don't fear Christ. I almost think there's a mention of crazy things in the valley because inside that valley is going to be a divide. And we don't know the details of the divide, but I think even as believers, we are going to see a little bit of details of the divide as we're passing through it and go all the way to where Christ, where Christ, where Christ is. So this is um, my exploration of it. This is not fact. <laughs> this is, I want to understand what takes place when I get to heaven. 
uh, or when I went through the process of death, and this is how I've um, kind of, we've explored it, kind of explored. So, but I want to give you guys um, um, opportunity to talk, opportunity to ask questions. Um, again, um, you will see that during this class, you will ask questions, and I might come up with the answer and say, I don't know, <laughs> because we are talking about a life that is beyond the one we know. And um, the only thing we could do is hang on to Scripture and try to figure it out. Um, but that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay, we'll hit Steve. Rather than a question, I have a statement. Uh, there was an announcement last year about uh, studying life after death. Mm -hmm. And they've been studying uh, brain activity on comatose people for decades. So from that, they went into researching what happens to the brain after death. When you die, all your muscles relax. You, you don't have respiration because your diaphragm's not working and your heart's not beating. Nothing's carried around to give oxygen to. But they said uh, your, your taste and your vision and your hearing are still fairly acute from five minutes up to two hours, depending on how much oxygen your brain had when you died. Even people who have cut off heads can have lengthen awareness of vision and hearing and taste up to that same amount of time again depending on how much oxygen is. So from what they were saying what happens after death seems to ring true with what you were saying here today. So thank you. I have more confidence in that now. And one thing about because I I work with people that are dying. Um, if you have loved ones, family, friends, I know because we all have them um, and they are passing away, Steve is right the last thing that leaves is the hearing. You might think that there is nobody in the room. The person's hearing everything. Um, and that's, that's been studied in a sense that, yes, they, there is hearing. When somebody's in a coma, the best thing you can do is do what? Speak. Is to talk to them and, um, and, and, and continue to have conversation with them even as they don't respond, um, respond back. And, you know, and you did make mention, you know, for, you know, two days or what did you say? Five minutes to five minutes to two hours. Um, when it comes to time, um, yeah, you know, none of my sermon is, is anchored onto time <laughs> because I do believe, because I've heard so many stories of, okay, I'm, I'm lifted from the body. And I think that that happens. And I think that that happens all the time. Um, and, and the explanations that we have lifted from the body is explanations that have been lifted from the body. And, um, and then, then my only thing is, in, in my mind, is that, that gate. I want to know what a gate is. What is that gate? When does it stop? Okay, I'm, when can I come back? Can I come back in two days? Can I back, come back in four days? Where is, that, where is that gate of when it is done? And I think God knows a gate that it is done and that is when it's, uh, um, that's when you're, you're not coming back. Well, that's, that's like me when I was hung up on the power, on that electricity. It's fast. I mean, you know, like a video going fast. I mean, it is really fast. So I think, you know, like you said, time, five minutes is a long time, whether you realize it or not. Also, I think some of the gates that you're talking about is probably the gates to hell. You know, I mean, you, you, it's got to be right there. You either go one way or the other. Uh, that's the way I feel about it. But. And the gate can be very strong mentioned that it's done. 
Yes. And uh, yes. when it's done, it's it's done. It's 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 done. Quick. And it's and it's it's over. And the direction of whether you know Christ or not know Christ is going to be now Biggie. understood. Yes. And it's going to be. There's going to be, there will not be a believer, it's going to be an ugly. unbeliever in that moment. We'll put it that way. Yep. It's because everybody, everyone wants to see a believer. And just to make mention of, you know, people think, well, I, when I die, I go, you know, right into glory and everything's going to be wonderful. We hold on to that salvation so tight. The Bible holds on to salvation so tight. I think death is going to give us an ultimate revelation of the salvation. You know, that's why, that's why I brought it up that I said, there might be some evil in this valley because I think it's going to give us an ultimate revelation of thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Somebody got the microphone back there. Yes, Pat. Uh, about a month ago, a person at my work had uh, passed away. And after she had passed away, she, her body was still warm. <clears throat> an hour and usually it turns cold but she died very peacefully mm -hmm. and I'm not one to go into a room after somebody's passed because you see it but this room I could actually go into after everything was moved out because there was so much peace in that room there was mm -hmm. but yeah I see that every day where I work at sermon I talked about good news and, and some excitement you know this should generate excitement that I'm walking with a savior on this earth and he's not going to let me go or it should generate boy you know what do I, have I even received salvation or am I trying to work my way up to heaven through this process of death there's no working <laughs> there's no okay where's a rod that I can slug something with there's not this working that will save you there is a working that is saving you, and that is Christ. So we are not working our way up to heaven. We are, what, being received completely, entirely through grace, all the way, all the way through. Uh, purely out of curiosity's sake, are the pearly gates of heaven mentioned in the Bible? I, in my reading, I've not seen it, but you're the expert. Um, gates of heaven are... Pearly? Pearly gates? Yeah. No pearly. Gold. Jasper. I will tell you where we're going to go um, when, it comes to, um, when it comes to heaven is uh, what in the world is heaven? <laughs> how many chapters talk about heaven? Um, how many chapters talk about the New Jerusalem? What is the New Jerusalem? Where is the New Jerusalem? It's here. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, and I don't want to get into heaven because I, I'll, start, I'll start going off talking, talking um, about heaven. Um, but there is words that we can understand that are mentioned in Scripture for the process of a revelation of a mystery that does not explain the mystery. <laughs> so we can just read and go, oh, whoa, I understand this. Why is that there? Does that mean you will literally walk on gold streets? No, we'll answer those questions when we get there. I mean, just there's just there, you're trying. What God is doing in this afterlife is He's trying to use human terms to explain something that's beyond the human mind, and it is there. So 
Pearly um, uh, comes from a description of, of, of Jerusalem. It's beautiful. It's, you know, it's this, you know, gold streets, the jaspers, and, you know, there's a whole revelation of New Jerusalem. <coughs> and we just feed on that. And, uh, and we keep on, keep on focusing on it. So, which is fine, you know. We can sing pearly gates. You know, pearly, I mean, pearly meats. <laughs> Did you find it? Revelation 12, 21. 21, 21. 21, 21. And it's not down. Here you go. I can't see it. Read it. I can't see it. No, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each separate gate was of a single pearl. And the street, Broadway, of the city was a pure gold, like transparent crystal. Mm-hmm. Why do they need gates? Well, we got a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, are they trying to keep people out? Are they trying to keep people in? Um, are they trying to make an explanation? Um, you know, there's, there's a, um, answering more questions is going to create even more, um, which, is, which is good. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about, um, um, talking about gates. And they are talking about, you know, the gates in New Jerusalem and those things. But we need to understand a little, and I'm trying my hardest not to get into end times, you know, um, but I'm trying to give us a taste of the New Jerusalem and those things. Um, but what is taking place during that process? And we're going to have to get into a little bit, just explain what's happening there in the New Jerusalem. Anything else? Jill? Yeah, we're going to give you a microphone cause, because we want to hear you. <laughs> Rich is getting his exercise. That's good. The next hand needs to come up is over here. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, whoa. <laughs> um, I was just thinking that where you were talking about um, evil being present in the, in the valley and, um, and pursuing those going through it. And, and sorry, I get a little nervous. But I was um, thinking, it, it just made me think of, a, of something that happened with my aunt when she was passing away and and it kind of ties into kind of some cool stuff about you know like god knowing the end from the beginning and i hope this isn't can i tell the story so um when uh my brother and i were like a year and 10 days apart in birth and my aunt came to i'm the older one and my aunt came to help my mom with the with the, the new baby and it was a little chaotic because we had you know she was the third kid and everybody was like under four and um um so my aunt came and i was playing in a playpen just minding my own business and just being fine and my aunt came and it, it was a couch with no with no um arms on it and um um, she, she was trying to ignore me because I didn't really know her, and, but, and I, was, I was happy, so she was just ignoring me. And, and she said that, um, that after a little while, this little hand came out of, the, uh, out of the, the playpen and patted her on the leg and said, Hi. <laughs> just, I just said, Hi. And from that moment on, we were kind of connected. But the, cool, the interesting thing is when... She, she didn't know the Lord all, all her life. Um, and when, um, when she was dying, um, I got a phone call from her son. And I, um, I lived here, and they lived in Bend, but I, I took off to go um, to, to be with them. And um, 
when I got there, my aunt was very, you know, she it was like she was not, you know, she was kind of more coma type, type. But she was she was restless, and she was she you know, it was like she was fighting something, and um, and her you know her breathing and everything in her face was was you know just just I guess, you know just wrestling, and um, my 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 cousin and his wife don't know the Lord either. And I said, you know what, if you want to take a little break, <laughs> you know, I'll sit with Annie Kay. And so they, they, they did, and the Lord just kind of gave me, you know, in, in the fact that they can hear, they know. And um, he just kind of gave me this picture of me when I was little. And, and he gave me the opportunity to, to remind Annie Kay of that story and I just was able to say you know um, that Jesus is like that even unto the final hour and I kind of shared the I kind of shared the salvation story, you know process with her and and I you know and he just led me to say all you have to do is reach out and take his hand and her breathing her breathing got quiet her body was just at peace, and she was she was still with us for another day and a half. But she was never restless again, and it just kind of reminded me of that. It's interesting that that salvation is God help. <laughs> that's, that's salvation. God, you did all the work. God help. That's um, that's salvation, and uh, as people. Um, um, what a gift, what a gift that is. Um, but what it, a gift that we reject. And the reason why is because you got to get rid of your pride to do it. You got to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm by myself. I've got to get, I've got to get rid of my pride to say I need help. Even when we know we need help, river pride to say, God, help me. All right. Uh, we will close from here.